Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Lots to cover today. The Lakers are about a week away from kicking off training camp, and they have played a ton of basketball over the last year. We'll talk about that. Um, also, we'll open up the Locked on Lakers mailbag. Some great questions about Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker and who might emerge as the new fan favorite now that Alex Caruso has flown like a majestic eagle to Chicago. We'll do all that next. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast, it's small market meets big market. Join Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and John John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow Locked On NBA, the podcast today on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, So, Andy, Media Day is supposed to be sometime next week. You know, the season officially kicking off. Um, I saw this today from Dave McMenamin, ESPN, covers the NBA, does a great job, former colleague of ours. One year ago today, and this would be uh, on uh, Tuesday, Anthony Davis buried a game-winning jumper to beat the Nuggets in the bubble. Next week, the Lakers will open training camp, meaning that in one calendar year, we'll, we will have experienced parts of three NBA seasons. That is insane. Yeah, <laughs> it really like it's no wonder, Brian, that these dudes on the Lakers and you know, a lot of guys in general looked tired during the playoffs. Like beyond whatever issues the Lakers had with injuries, and a lot of teams, frankly, had issues with injuries. Oh yeah, you know, throughout you know the longer the playoffs went along, everybody just looked dead ass tired. This is why I'd actually been really insistent heading into the 2020, uh, 2021 season that. You could not have run back the 2020 team, even if you wanted to. Like they, they just needed fresher legs that turned out to be Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Wes Matthews, even at Wes's age, Marc Gasol, even at Marc Gasol's age, just because they had shorter off seasons. Like practically speaking, running it back was not an option. Like if you want to argue that the Lakers brought in the wrong dudes, we can have that discussion. We've had that discussion. I think it's very difficult to know exactly what would have happened. Because it's ironically, of all the injuries, oh, everybody got hurt. I think when you look back at it, even understanding sort of intellectually how short the offseason was, I think we all, I know I certainly did, but uh, many people, I think, underestimated how this would impact AD. We were all so focused on LeBron, age, short season. Um, and I totally whiffed on the AD part of it. I, I know I did. And I still think there's going to be a residual impact going into this year because the offseason for the Lakers was much more normal, but there's still that recovery time. And across the league, you know, if you were a team that played deep into the playoffs, you went to the conference finals, you went to the finals, you still don't quite get what you were supposed to get. You know, the guys who went to the Olympics are, are you know, have a little bit of a, of a shortened season. I they have to do it this way. I think the NBA learned you need to get back to the NBA calendar. It didn't work. The idea, start at Christmas, go deeper. And I think we think we learned it wasn't as good of an idea if you're still planning on playing 82 games. But I don't think we're out of the woods here with um, with the impacts that you know the the bubble season and the change in schedules have going forward. I do think though that you know, we're going to see a marked difference in the quality of 
like Anthony Davis coming out early in the season versus what it was last year where you could tell he was just not on foot on the gas for reasons that were totally reasonable but had a, a, a big impact on how the Lakers played. Oh, I will say I think that's going to be the case. I will also say it better damn well be the case because <laughs> if it's not, I mean, you're going to have fans concerned about his overall physicality, fragility, the mentality that he brings to every season, whether the 2020 season was just him being so freaking stoked to be out of New Orleans that you just saw the best possible version of him. Yeah. But well, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's got to be, you know, playoff mode from the beginning, but just like the, there was there was a noticeable lack of hop and a noticeable lack of 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 intense effort there. No, I'll say <laughs> it. He actually needs to be playoff version from the jump. Well, I, I, actually I, I don't think that. I don't know. I don't think you can go at playoff intensity from game one of an 82 seat. No, season. but he needs to be he needs to be much closer to that playoff level production right. and Can't efficiency do. and all that stuff. I, I don't I'm not I, I'm talking about purely the output. I'm not talking about the results statistic. I mean how hard are you working on the floor uh, you know how much effort are you putting Look, in? Man, there? I, I think, I, but I agree with you. It's got to be closer to. I, I don't care if the. I don't care if the production comes while he's mailing it in, or <laughs> if he's doing this with like Mamba focus that would make Kobe go like, "Jesus, dude, settle down. Like, it, it ain't that important." <laughs> like, no, I don't I, okay, care. I get what you're saying. Um, all care. right, so let's um let's open up the mailbag because we got some great questions um on the Locked On Lakers mailbag. Uh, at Cam Brothers is the easiest way to access that on Twitter. You can also email us, Brothers at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, you can leave a, a review on the iTunes show page, and that will get your question read. Um, sticking with AD here for a second, this is a great question that comes from our friend down in New Zealand, the Nathan Mark. Um, what would be a bigger deal for the Lakers? Anthony Davis shoots 35% from three-point range or Talon Horton Tucker? shoots 35% from three-point range. Great question, great choice of number, because 35% is right in that hmm kind of range. Yeah, it's good. It's not incredible, but mm -hmm. it will keep you on the floor if right. there are any expectations of shooting or any needs for shooting. If you And it's a different deal for each guy. 35% yeah. means something different for the offense and THT than it does 35% for... Uh, for AD. So uh, well, you start. I think it's a way bigger deal for Taylor Horton Tucker. I, I don't even think it's close. Like mm -hmm. at, as much as it would be nice for Anthony Davis to become more consistent with his three and it would add a different dimension. There's only so much time you want him along the arc anyway. And his inclination can be to drift regardless. And for his position, I don't know if 35% is high enough to justify it. Like Carl Anthony Towns shoots 39% on average. Like Jokic was 39% last year, only 35 for his career. But like his passing adds a different mm -hmm. dimension being out on space. That like AD, he's solid as a playmaker, solid as a passer, but he's he ain't that. No, he's not Nikola Jokic. There's and what I think is more important, Anthony Davis is going to be on the floor a lot regardless. Like he could shoot 0% from three and it's not going to affect his minutes. Talon Horton Tucker though, Going from 28% last year to 35 means he can play with any unit without worrying about the spacing, and it theoretically offsets issues right. that may still be there with, say, defense. Like, the right. fewer weaknesses that he has, the more he can stay on the floor as a developing player. 
I, I think you know the the number here with THT. I mean, and you referenced twenty eight percent last year. It was only thirty one percent the year before. You know, obviously smaller volume, smaller games, and all that. But point being, he's a career twenty eight percent three point shooter um, through his seventy one NBA games. Um, the, the the I'll start with Davis because what is that number? Because AD, if he shoots. The, the the concept of AD as a three point shooter has always exceeded the actual production of him out there, but it's enough that it's sort of made people at least kind of pay attention to it. So if he's going to shoot two or three or four of them a game, and it seems like he may, what is that number that both has the impact of it's enough that go in to make the shot worth taking, but also moves the defenders that you'd want to have move? And I think it's probably pretty close to 35, 36%. Um, I don't think he needs, you know, it'd be great if he got up to, to Carl Anthony Towns territory, but he's never actually done it before. And that's the difference. Like even in the sort of the good seasons where you thought the potential was there, his, his career high is 34%. Um, two years ago, he was at 33%. Last year, he was at 26%. That's obviously way too low. Somewhere in the mid-30s in that 35-36% range is probably where the number is that moves the needle enough to make it worth him taking those shots. Um, and that could have a big effect because he's going to play more and he's a more important player. But I do agree with you. Overall, <laughs> THT jumping to 35% makes a big difference. Here's the Okay, here's the other problem. This just hit me in terms of maybe the bigger impact, but I don't know if this is a good thing. If Anthony Davis is shooting 35% from three, it might lead Frank Vogel to say, you know what? I can play him at the four and have a traditional center out there at the five because, no, hey, no, there, no, there's no, our spacing no. option. Don't, don't even speak of that. that I'm is just not saying, how it, though, it's not going to work that way. He would have more open threes uh, with quality looks by, um, by playing the five. I, I'm just, I, I say, I'm um, just. I know, I know what don't and don't. <laughs> I know, I know what you're doing. I know Shut you're up, just saying. exactly. <laughs> don't. Um, so um, let's stick here with THT, and we'll get back to the mailbag in just a second because um, some more great questions, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the show. But some, as long as we're talking about THT, some really interesting stuff was written about him uh, this week, both at Silver Screen and Roll, and then uh, from uh, Tom Ziller, who's a great NBA writer. Uh, that looks at where THT stands among his under 25-year-old peers around the NBA. So we'll do that. Uh, we'll get back to the mailbag, but we'll do that next. I want to ask you first, though, if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. You're a pirate at that point. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love. <laughs> Living outside the law. I know. Arr! Without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it begins. Uh, it brings your... Uh, live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows together all in one place without being a criminal. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, low-level criminal, but a criminal nonetheless. <laughs> and so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about it at directtv.com. It's directtv.com. Combat compatible device required content varies by package. I mean, 
criminal element is part of the upside, but I agree. On balance, the, the option you're presenting is actually better. Uh, Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Sleeper. 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized fantasy ba- basketball was broken. Games were won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. Made no sense, required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. Game Pick Owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. No more is losing sleep because your opponent's players had more scheduled games in that week. No more giving up halfway through the season because you realize, my God, this is so much busy work. I don't want to deal with this anymore. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups or home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, yada, yada, yada. They offer redraft. They offer keeper, dynasty. So if you prefer building out a weekly strategy instead of just dealing with busy work because, you know, you got a life, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app. Start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. We'll get back to the mailbag here in a second. We got a great couple great questions about Alex Caruso um, and you know Russell Westbrook and how he might be deployed and whether he could break Magic Johnson's uh, triple double record. This tangentially, year. by the way, about yeah. Alex Caruso before some people start freaking out that we're obsessing over it. And by some people, I mean that one dude one, who complains yeah. all the time. Yeah, um, it was asked. You know of who us. you are, right? It was asked of us. Um, yes, and so. But THT was a, a, a couple different features as we're kind of at that part of the offseason where you start making lists lists and ranks and all this other stuff. Silver Screen Roll has a, a good one out where um, they look at the the 20, the 25 best players, sort of tiers of players under 25 years old um, and rank them. And this one's based in part on potential. Uh, as well as what guys have done on the floor already in their careers. Tom Ziller, the great NBA writer, he has his own independent newsletter, which you guys totally should subscribe to. It's a great thing to get in your inbox every good day. Stuff. He's got another uh, list of the 25 best players. It does not take potential into account. It's truly just what these guys have done on the floor. Um, what sticks out, THT is not really on either list. Uh, Cooper Halpern's list at Silver Screen and Roll, he sticks them in there right at the very end. Um, and what I found interesting about this, Andy, is you can go through the numbers. People will argue about this player or that, but it's hard to read it, certainly on the Ziller list, which is based on what guys have done on the floor to this point, and argue that THT is somehow being snubbed or overlooked by being either at the bottom or not included in a list like this. Yeah, I mean, on Ziller's list, I think you could maybe make a case that like Avica Zubac or Avica Zubac or Jackson Hayes, Darius Garland, like these are a couple guys towards the very end of the list mm-hmm. that maybe have made good on more run than they've gotten than THT as opposed to actually playing better with whatever amount of run you get than THT had. But like you said, in the grand scheme of things, these are minor quibbles. And it reinforces the idea that THT, as much as he's got a lot of potential and he showed flashes of stuff that could be really meaningful, were really impressive. And you and I have both been high on him since his rookie year when he wasn't even playing much because we would talk to people and we would hear he is killing it in the G League. He mm-hmm. is killing it during practices. Gets it, they, works hard, working they, on his body. They love they the guy. Yeah. Love him. Like all, all we heard when we would ask about THT is, we love him. We are talking about a guy who is extremely young in THT. And so it 
you know, it's not surprising that he doesn't have the same on-court resume, even as somebody like Darius Garland. Or I would argue Zubats has been a much, much more productive NBA player to this point in his career. Where the, the part, though, and to link it back to the mailbag question that we answered, that you know, we referred to him as a as sort of the the X factor and a wild card in this team because he's one of the only guys that you can look at and say, I don't know what the real range of possibilities is here with this team. He could come out and shoot 35, 36% from three point range. We, you know, we've seen the video. I, he's working hard. All the reports are that he's been in the gym. He's trying, you know, there's he no- looks great. Pictures I've seen the body. Yeah, his body. He's really, really continued to work on his body. He looks, he looks fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and his arms are still just as long as they were when he was a little chunkier. And so, you know, that part of it's coming along really well. And third year, guy makes a little bit of a leap, understands the league. I, th- all of that's totally possible. It's also possible he could shoot thirty percent from three. You know, it, it is possible that he doesn't quite make the leap now that in a bigger role where defenses are much more finely tuned and calibrated to him. He's a much bigger part of the scouting report and, and all of that stuff. But like the range is so high, whereas Kent Bazemore, like, okay, he's either going to shoot, you know, kind of what they want him to or not, but you otherwise know what you're going to get more or less. Um, I, 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 that's why he's such a perfect guy for that question that we got in the last second. I don't know the answer, but he probably has more potential to push the Lakers to a higher ceiling than any non big three guy that they have. Well, if nothing else, he he's got the best potential to to push the Lakers' future to a higher ceiling well, that, that, than any of the big three I, guys. That is one hundred percent true. Yeah, I mean, um, and you know, it may not be as urgent that it happens literally this season in, mm-hmm. in terms of that type of lead, but it's absolutely urgent that it happens at some point. The, the comparison that I make a lot that I think is apt is Andrew Bynum heading into his third season. It's not completely uh, that way because Bynum's leap was not expected and not watched for in the exact same way as THT's Mm -hmm. was heading into this season, getting that big deal in the off season. And the urgency may not be exactly the same because this team, like you said, has a big three. It's got way more experience. That team at the time had Kobe at absolute peak form, a very good Lamar Odom, and then a cast of Role players of way, varying an angry, degree. An angry Kobe. Yes, a very... <laughs> an angry, unsatisfied right. Kobe yeah. Bryant. Peak Kobe, but <laughs> very surly well, peak Kobe. Well, that was part but, of being peak Kobe. <laughs> yeah, it was a time part of being peak Kobe. But, you know, Andrew Bynum's leap also made it so those role players didn't have to be quite as good as they otherwise needed to in the previous seasons. And mm-hmm. again, it's, it's contextually a bit different with THT, but... If he can make something comparable in that season three in terms of his progress, it will be greatly significant. The other thing, though, that I think is really significant about right, they PH- don't need him to be good. Whereas Bynum, the, that team, which was in first place when they made the Pau Gasol deal, like people again, we always forget this stuff. Um, like that, they they needed Bynum to make a leap to be a contender. Bynum they, is PHT does not need to make a leap for the Lakers to be a contender, but it raises their ceiling. Right if he is, because it would be sort of this unexpected bonus. Right. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is really interesting about this, though, with THT, and it's kind of apropos because with the Ben Simmons situation brewing in Philadelphia and the reports that he is not going to show up to camp, he's going to hold out, he'll take the fines, whatever, and Ben Simmons is a clutch client, which means by definition, Rich Paul 
is in the news as he often is, you know, being, liquor. Yeah, being the agent that he is with that profile. With THT and his development, if you are a Laker fan that is concerned about, I think, both the perceived and actual power that Clutch has within the Lakers organization, and you look at what happened this offseason with the economics that seemingly forced the Lakers to choose between Taylor Horton Tucker and Alex Caruso, and the, I guess, concerns you might have that Rich Paul and Clutch made it very clear, you can keep both if you want. However, if you're going to make a choice, we would strongly prefer that Talon stay in Los Angeles. There are definitely basketball reasons you can make to support that choice. Talon Horton Tucker has the higher upside over Alex Caruso, and I don't even think that's debatable. But if you are looking at this from a purely win-now standpoint, Alex Caruso is the far safer, more definable bet. So if THT doesn't make the type of progress that you are looking for this season, certainly over the course of those three years, that is something that will make you concerned about some of the politics that go along with having superstars on your roster. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a relevant point. Um, let's uh, let's get back to the mailbag. This is like this this THC stuff. You know, is going to be one of the more um, intriguing things that comes out of training camp is following how that works. Um, another thing is going to be measuring how the Lakers use Russell Westbrook and what that role is going to look like. Got a great mailbag question coming up about him. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. They're not like the deadbeat ones that require a knife and a fork and a hacksaw and a chainsaw and a chisel. And they're just a pain in the ass to snack on. Oh, they're ridiculous. Shark on and then take it out of its mouth. Terrible idea. Gross. Built Bars, however, they taste great and they are healthy. They're great for health conscious people. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for the keto crowd and they taste great as always. You got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors like cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream. They're perfect for someone like me. I love cool, unique, different taste combinations. I don't want to feel bored like I'm eating the same thing over and over. Doesn't happen with Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off BuiltBar.com. Uh, we're back, Andy, into the football season, and it has been a fantastic first two weeks of of the NFL. All eyes glued to the gridiron as teams uh, push towards the Super Bowl. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action too this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football so head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today receive your 100 welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use the promo code nfl 100 from football basketball boxing right down to your favorite vegas casino games do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online your online sportsbook experts how the Lakers use Russell Westbrook is going to be a uh, is is going to be a big deal this year. Um, how he interacts oh. with LeBron James, <laughs> I think may maybe over uh, maybe underselling that a little bit. Here's a really interesting framing of of that question from Bald Eagle at MJ is overrated. That's I impressive. believe. <laughs> 
It's amazing uh, Alex Caruso would tweet at us like this. I believe the record for most triple-doubles in a season for the Lakers is held by Magic Johnson at 13. I'm just going to take his word for it. I did not look it up. You um, know what? How- I actually looked up really quick a bunch of numbers uh, for this discussion that I think will be helpful for it. I forgot to actually look up that one. <laughs> Well done. How soon in the season? Well played, sir. If you're going to bother doing the research, don't do the one that's actually asked in the question. How soon into the season do you think Russ will break that record before or after All-Star Weekend? Um, I do think it's it's, it actually is possible he could have 13 triple-doubles this year. Um, Oh, (laughs) I'll get you some numbers. It feels really, really probable that he's going to have 13 triple-doubles. Whether it happens before the All-Star break or after the All-Star break, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, It could happen by game 13. It might. (laughs) To answer the first question, yes, I do think he will break Magic Johnson's record for triple-doubles in a season by a Laker. Whether uh, that number this... is 13 or, uh, as we, I guess, have to figure out, TBD, <laughs> whatever the number is. Uh, I'll put this in a little bit of perspective. Russ has led the league in triple-doubles six of the last uh, seven seasons. He had 38 last year. He had 34 during the uh, 2019 season, 25 the previous season, then 42 the year he won MVP. Like, 13. Does, does seem 13 seems uh, 13 gettable. is like gettable. rolling out of bed. Yeah, but here's here's the, the so that to me is less interesting as a as an output though because it, it'll be cool to watch and triple doubles are fun and the output and all that. Magic's tweet that's going to be great when Ma- when Magic uh, celebrates Russell Westbrook uh, breaking his record. He's going to first of all state that Russell Westbrook broke his record. He's yes. going to make he's going to make sure you know with an exclamation point. Yes. Um, These are the reasons that he quit the organization. So what do you do think this is, freely? What do you think his averages are going to be though? Because, like, on the one hand, he's going to have a lot of those triple doubles. I don't doubt that for a second. But on the other hand, like, his night is his night to night output going to be less from a, it's certainly well, I think, from a scoring standpoint, but from a rebounding standpoint, maybe, maybe not. But from an assist standpoint, to some degree, this is a, a, a proxy to try to figure out, like, the, the, like the, the numbers that he produces as an assist guy. Uh, versus the numbers that LeBron produces as an assist guy could could be a, a a convenient shorthand of figuring out how exactly the ball is being handled, who has it more in their hands, how the offense is running. So, like, do you think he's going to average? He's averaged a triple double in his career. <laughs> so it's like, how close to that do you think he'll be able to get playing next to LeBron? Well, he's averaged a triple double like. <laughs> five of the last six seasons, right. something I mean, like, like that. This is what he does. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about this, first of all, just uh, and I was surprised when I looked up uh, LeBron's triple-double numbers, his highest mark for a season is, and I, I use only in the most, I guess, strong finger quotes possible, right. only in the, in the comparison to Russell Westbrook. Right. Only 18 mm. is his highest mark for a season, and he's only been in triple, dug- triple digits three times. Again, this is a relative finger quote only because these are still really impressive numbers, but it just speaks to what Russ does in the triple-double realm. Right, it's like, four time, you do that four times over the course of a season. It's insane. Right. It's, it's him and Oscar and everybody else just you know on the outside looking in. Um, I, think, I think first and foremost where you're going to see this stuff eat into each other is probably the scoring. 
You know, we, we've that talked I about this with. before. I, I think Westbrook averaged 22 points a game last year. I do not think he'll be at 22 this year. No, I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Russ was under 20 uh, next season. I think LeBron is going to be below what we see typically from him. Um, I was recently on Spectrum um, as a guest. Uh, Spectrum is the network that uh, puts out the Laker games. We, we appear in studio with those guys a lot. And one of the questions I believe we had was over under LeBron James 25 uh, points per game average for this coming season. I took the, the under. under. Absolutely. Yep. I would take the under for that. Um, I think there could ultimately be enough assists to go around um, for the two of them to maintain, uh, you know, basically the type of numbers that they've had or put them, if nothing else, flirting with Russ has been triple I'll doubles. It, I'll ask you this. I'll, I'll give you an over under Russ has been over 10 assists in five out of the last six seasons. Do you think he'll average more or less than 10 assists in nine night? I'm going to say over just because the way you've been, the way his over has been like incrementally where some of these are like 10.3, 10.4 per game. I think he's going to uh, stay at that ten and slight yes, I think change. I think it's going to be a little under. I think I think he's going to drop down to under ten. Um, yeah, I mean, I it'll be interesting to see how this plays I just, out. I mean, right again, I I don't. I'm not talking. One's not going to be a ball hog or the other. But like to some degree, if Westbrook is averaging 12, 13 assists a night, you know, ten or 11, 12 assists a night, that will be a, a prime. And it may not even be a bad thing. It, it might be a good thing for LeBron if the offense is working to just not have that burden on him. Um, you know, and if that's the case, LeBron's, you know, if Russ is average, how about this as a proposition? If Russ is averaging 11 and a half assists tonight, I actually think that means LeBron might be averaging more than the 25 points. Um, either that finishing a lot and that wouldn't be, it, it, it isn't automatically a bad thing. No, it's just an intriguing way to think about how the offense is going to operate. That's, yeah, what, I mean, that's I, what interested me about this question other than, yeah, Magic's record is absolutely going down. Um, I think you're definitely correct that, that that possibility exists. I think another possibility is the two of them average around double-digit assists for the season and basically nobody else is setting up anybody. Yeah, like the, no, like I, the, the, That is highly probable. <laughs> yeah, the, the two of them are just going to lead the Lakers in, in assists by a staggering amount, even when the two of them are on the floor together. Mm -hmm. Like you, you will see the two of them in career highs for hockey assists. I oh, think God. that's a real no, I, possibility. I, I, there are so many different directions that this offense could go. And there's still other guys who are capable of of moving the ball and 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 passing and THD being, you know, mm -hmm. primary in that. Uh, on that list. Uh, last question before we go here. Um, this from Greg Scott at Duck Greg Scott. Um, of the players signed this summer, who is the odds on favorite to become the fan favorite like Caruso? Which player has the right stuff to soar like an eagle into our hearts? <laughs> <laughs> like I said before, um, we were asked the question. We are asked these questions. Um, and look, there's no question Alex Caruso grew into a fan favorite for reasons that are really easy to understand, um, both in terms of how he played, the aesthetics, all of it. It's very easy to get why Caruso was a fan favorite, but he's gone now. Hmm. I, I have a couple candidates. Um, do you want to go first on this one or you want me to? It doesn't matter to me. Um, all right. Here's, here's one. I think Carmelo Anthony has a really, really good chance. He is my pick. Melo you know, is my pick. Okay. W explain yours. Explain um, your reasoning. 
It's a weird thing to say about a player of his stature, you know, a a first ballot Hall of Fame player. Like they're not typically guys thought of as fan favorites, Mm -hmm. but it's indicative of where he is on the court right now as opposed to legend. And as long as his defense doesn't become too frustrating, I think there's going to be so much sentiment carrying the day with Melo. He is really, really easy to like. He's got that, still got that great smile. He's still just a really personable, charismatic player. And Laker fans are now going to be invested in him finally getting that championship. There's mm-hmm. self-interest involved, no question. If it's not Mello, though, who else do you think could dark horse his way into there? Because well, I think Mello would be the, the, the leading candidate. Well, what's interesting about this to me, in terms of just thinking about this, a lot of these dudes have already been on the team and a lot of them have actually already done the fan fave thing before. Like Dwight was a big time fan fave two seasons ago. Trevor oh, yeah. Ariza. I don't, can, I don't think he can do that again. Trevor loves, Ariza. Trevor's already too popular. Right. Well, but like, he, he doesn't but even he, qualify. Right. But he also was a fan favorite during right. his two seasons with the league. Like even Kent Bazemore had fans intrigued by him by like the month and a half that he spent on the team after being a throw-in for Steve Blake. Would you guess, if you asked like 100 Lakers fans how long Trevor Ariza played with the Lakers, do you think they would guess like more than he did or less than he did? I think most fans think he of a, him as a guy who was on the team for a lot longer than he actually was. No, I, I actually think most Laker fans know exactly how long he was there because he was followed by Meta, and Meta was no, there I, for right, way I longer. And be, you, because because he sort of remained so popular. Look, uh, maybe it's because he's an LA guy. I don't Brian, know, but I just feel like people have that sentiment. Like, oh my god, I forgot how short Brian his first tenure was here. Let me let me let me give you a little bit of insight into how Laker fans think because I am one, and 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 you're not. You're on the outside looking into this, just you know, observing us from a distance, uh, marveling at our lifestyle. Not a, true, not a true believer. I understand. We mark tenures with the Lakers by championships and everybody knows Trevor Ariza was there for the one and they know the amount of distance that lasted between the 2002 and the 2009. They know the 2008, which Trevor was there for, but he had been injured through it and was a non-factor. And they know that he arrived during that season. A lot of them will remember that he was part of a trade for uh, Maurice Evans and Brian Cook. Like we know these things, Brian, you just don't. Just trust I me. I actually this. knew that. <laughs> Those are things I actually do know. Yeah, you you um, covered the team. You knew. I was I was there. <laughs> I remember those things. It's not based purely on whether or not you put flags on your car every spring. You know, what I mean. Um, so, but it helps. But I just I you're you're right though. It's an interesting wrinkle that a guy like Ariza almost isn't eligible uh, for this. Like, I well, feel like THT it, I feel like isn't eligible anymore. He's, he's paid a, too much. When he's also not new. Like that was he's not one of the new guys. I think if you if it's not going to be mellow, I think it could be somebody like Kendrick Nunn. Um, who is just going to play, I think, potentially a, a really outsized role among all of those new guys. Um, so, yeah, but I think the answer is going to be mellow. Um, yeah, I do too. Thank you for some really good – we got a re- some really good questions. We didn't even get to all of them, um, and we'll we'll try to keep rolling along with that. Um, next week, it's all starting to get back into uh, like real basketball is going to be – happening with players and practices and all that kind of stuff we're getting closer andy make sure uh you subscribe to locked on lakers on youtube and um follow us on cam brothers and all that other stuff we'll see everybody next time